My wife and I were so blessed this last two days. We were able to, our, our network, they used to call it district, the Michigan district. Now it's called the Michigan Ministry Network. So the network provided a, just a wonderful opportunity for pastors to get together and just hear from a man that understands about smaller churches. Now I know you look at this church and you're probably thinking, oh, we're not small, but we are in the sense of the definition, because small is uh, 250 to 300 and below, so we would fit into that category. Medium size is like four to 600, and then big is beyond that. Mega church is, of course, a thousand or more. We're down toward the bottom, but you know what? Here's the good news. 90% of the churches worldwide are 200 or less. 80% 80% are 100 or less. So why am I telling you this? We're normal. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. And this was a point this guy, Carl Bader, said. He said, you know what? He said, just because you're small doesn't mean you're not healthy. Look at your neighbor and say, we're healthy. And that's good news. And it, I was inspired by this. And I, I just wanted to share that I wanted to thank, openly thank the Michigan, Michigan Ministry Network for providing that uh, conference for us, and, and I'm sure there will be a lot of other things you'll hear in the future about it. But for right now, we are going to continue our study of what? That last song, man. Thank you, Pastor Roger. That was amazing. And how many remember that growing up? I forgot it. I forgot that was even a song. We haven't sang it in so long. It's like sometimes you just need a refresher, don't you? And I appreciate you being willing to put that up. So today again, the adorable Godhead, the importance of the Trinity, part three. How many parts are there going to be? Oh, no, we've got more. No, I, I definitely have at least one more, uh, which will not be next week. Because next week we have a guest speaker in here. Yes, and he is going to be talking about sex trafficking. He, he and his wife uh, operate a ministry called Unbound, and they welcome ladies in who have been in that horrific environment, and he's going to talk about what that means. So, what that means for you, if you're a parent, you do not want your children in here next week because it is going to be, you know, an adult message, okay? So I'm just trying to give you a little warning. I've gotten in trouble for that before. Uh, now you've heard it from me. So what's next Sunday? An adult message. All right, and that doesn't mean, listen, if, if you have junior high, high school, uh, it would be appropriate for them, but below that, probably not. All right, so with that said... Let's move on. Today we're going to look at the New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. The Trinity, and by the way, is the word Trinity in the Bible? No. But certainly the Bible talks about it frequently. The three persons of the Godhead. So today we're going to enter the New Testament as we discover a little bit more about the Trinity which is, of course, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We just sang that. I don't know if you think about one of the most often repeated scriptures, verses in the Bible. I don't know if you've think, thought about what it actually says, but let me read it real quick. And I, you already know it. For God, read it with me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you. Who is this talking about? Who is God? The Father. Who is making the statement? Jesus, the Son. Yes. So can you kind of get what this is saying? This is talking about the Trinity. Now, it's only mentioning two of the persons of the Godhead, but there are other passages, which we'll get to this morning, 
that refer, of course, to all three. But here's what I want you to get. God, the Father, loved the world so much that He sent His beloved Son to carry out the kingdom mission. Say kingdom mission. I want us to get this word in our vocabulary, kingdom. And I'm not talking about King Arthur. I'm not talking about the Knights of the Round Table. I'm talking about God's kingdom. It's a real place. And when he sent Jesus, he sent him because he had a kingdom purpose that he wanted to accomplish. Now, here's the good news. You and I are a part of that kingdom purpose. He wants us to be with him forever. And he wants to use you and me to make that happen. That all the world would come to know him. That all men would be saved. That, that's his goal. That's his plan. Now, will all men be saved? Sadly, no. Because many deny him. And that's why the church has got to amp it up. That's why our responsibility is so urgent in this time, in this day. You and I have got to get out there and tell people what God has done for us. Who has been saved? And you're in this room today. Raise your hand. Don't be, no mamby pambies today. How many of you, your life is 100% better than it was before Jesus? And listen, if you didn't raise your hand, God bless you. Don't give up on him. Just keep seeking after him. Just keep going after him. Keep going after God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You will eventually find yourself in that place where you go, and you can rest in him. God wants all men to come to him. And by men, I mean men, women, boys, girls, okay? Just to say that. This verse introduces the reader to a relationship between father and son. I don't want you to miss this. As students, as we study the Bible, especially the New Testament, we can't afford to miss the evidence for this relationship between father and son. It's so important. You could put yourself in that place, son, daughter. God wants that same kind of relationship with you. Another identifying example of the Holy Trinity takes place, and, and not to confuse it, <clears throat> Matthew 16. Not John 16, but Matthew 16 and 17. I want to read that. So John the Baptist was out preaching in the Jordan. Repent. Turn your, your lives around. Come to God. And then Jesus shows up. John said this of Jesus, I'm not fit to tie his sandals. He knew there was something different about Jesus. When Jesus entered the water, this happened. Matthew 3.16, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, <laughs> the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So can you see what's happening in, this, in these two verses? Who is being rep represented here? All three, right? It's the Father's voice. Unless, unless Jesus is a ventriloquist or can throw his voice, this is the Father. Some scholars believe that when, when God said this, he was really announcing it to heaven. 
Others heard it who stood on earth. Obviously, they recorded it. And what I want you to understand is it really doesn't matter. The fact is, the father was happy with the son. Why? Because Jesus was carrying out his kingdom plan. Without Jesus, where would we be? Lost. Unforgiven. Forever destined to be apart from God. But because of Jesus, we are saved. Forever destined to be with God. That's pretty cool, I think. The Father confirmed Jesus' ministry and His calling, and the Holy Spirit confirmed the same. Now Jesus, having been commissioned by His Father and receiving the seal of the Holy Spirit, this proved that indeed God had sent Him. No one else had this type of evidence. None of the, not John the Baptist, not any of the other apostles, only Jesus. And then Jesus began to carry out his mission. In Matthew 4, 17, just a little bit further, he said this, he he said, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the, read this with me, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is? What does it mean to be near? You can't see this on the camera, but... Hi. Hi. Are we near? Yes. She's telling me to get away from me. Personal space issue. Personal space issue. Now, you don't like it when I do that, but... You want to be that close to God, don't you? You want that relationship with Him where He is so near to you that you breathe God. That when you exhale, people around you are going, man, what's different about you? That's the kind of relationship. God is near. His kingdom is near. And you and I, this is a fear of a pastor. You and I, we find ourselves in that place where we act like he's a gazillion miles away. What's the scripture say? Wherever two or more gather in my name. Jesus said this. Where is he? There. So, how many are in this room? We have a quorum. Jesus is here. By the way, I apologize for getting in your personal space. I was trying to make a point. Thank you for being willing to sit in the front row because nobody else... Anyway. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the variables that the sun placed on this beautiful planet Earth were many, including the intermixing of dark and light and the fact that they are opposing forces. Whenever there is darkness and the light turns on, what happens? Darkness flees. One is going to be dominant. And it's usually the light. The smallest light can light a room. It doesn't take much For you and I, the the, the believers represented here today, it doesn't take much for us to let our light shine before men. And we're not alone. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ronald Hine, he put it this way. He said, the early Christians understood Christ to have become incarnate, meaning deity, who takes on human form, and come to earth to do battle with the devil and the forces of evil that hold this world captive. How many would agree with me today that there is an evil force represented here? Is it getting better? The world needs Jesus 
Newsflash, Jesus sent us. Jesus sent the Christians of this world, born again, filled with his spirit. He empowered them to go and to preach the good news, to tell people about Jesus. And that's what this church and every church that loves the Lord does. If you love God, you'll do this. There is a war. There is a battle being waged for every soul. And I believe it's time for the church to rise. It's time for the church to take its place, it's to fulfill its destiny before Jesus returns, to make his bride without spot or wrinkle, meaning no blemish, meaning that people come to Christ and are washed in his blood. In the Gospel of John, Jesus' discussion with one of his disciples, it points to this intertwining relationship that I'm referring to here between Father and Son and later the Holy Spirit. You've, you've heard this recently. I'm going to share it again. John 14, beginning with verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. This is what Philip said. Talking to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Listen to what Jesus said in, in response. He replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Who's talking here? Jesus. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus, has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now this is like, this is weird. I don't have any easy examples for this. Although I had somebody share this with me, and I've seen this idea before. The Holy Spirit can be related to water in the sense that water can be frozen, it can be liquid, and it can be vapor. All three are water, but they're three different forms, if you will. And if you look at the Holy Spirit in a similar way, what would he be? Spirit, so he might be like the vapor. And the Father, maybe he would be the, the solid. Jesus is the living water. You know, you get it? We can look at it that way. But I don't want to simplify the Holy Spirit or Jesus or the Father like that. I'm okay saying it's too big for me to understand. All I know is it's here in the written word. God said it. I believe it. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So here we see Jesus saying the Father lives in me. When I speak, I don't speak for myself. I speak for my Father. Just believe that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. So he's basically saying, if nothing less, when you see the leper healed, know that God is in me. It's not just some human being who's really charismatic. And then he went on, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Mary, you were talking about that earlier. Praying the Scriptures. Asking anything in Jesus' name. If it's kingdom-minded, if it has a kingdom purpose, God is going to hear that prayer. 
And he's going to bring an answer to it. How much more can Jesus show that the Trinity is one? The Father was living in the Son here, and yet Jesus said He was going to be with the Father. This passage shows us the Trinity, but it also reveals the mystique, as I like to call it, of the Godhead. Again, borrowing from D.A. Carson who said this, he said, No mere envoy would refer to the one who sent him as his Father, claim that whoever has seen him has seen the Father, and affirm mutual indwelling between himself and the one who sent him. Nobody. Only God can do this. Only the Son can do this. I shared this last week, what happened when Jesus said that to the crowd. Remember? He said, I and the Father are one. And what'd they do? They picked up stones, right? They were going to kill him. Or try to. Only Jesus could make this statement, make this claim. Jesus' life, mission, and his very being was interconnected to the Father. And hear this part. The same should be true for us. Who did Jesus tell us to pray to? The Father. When you pray, ask, Father, what is it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy be your name. You get the idea? Jesus was telling us, go to the Father when you pray. And then he told us later, he said, when you pray, pray it in his name, the name of Jesus. Excuse me. As soon as Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, he came back for a short time and he reestablished that he was alive. And some 500 witnesses attested to this. And then just before. He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. He began to speak to his disciples and tell them, look, I'm leaving you. And I've mentioned this before, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you like little orphans. I'm going to leave the Holy, or as soon as I'm gone, I'm going to send who? The Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would come to live in those who believe. Do you believe? So Father and Son and Holy Spirit live in you. Do you agree? All right. We're on the right track. John 16, 13, Jesus told his followers, he said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? To guide us into all truth. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So the truth sets you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So the Holy Spirit has come to show us the truth. When you struggle with something that the world is telling you, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. Now, you balance that with Scripture, right? Whatever the Bible tells us, and the Holy Spirit confirms the Word. Always. That's how we live our life. So if you're confused about something, all you need to do is find it in the Bible and ask the Lord. What is this? Show me the truth, Lord. This verse shows the Holy Spirit's reliance on the Father and the Son as each person of the Trinity was reliant on the others. Do you know all three are reliant on each other? 
After Christ was resurrected from the grave just before his ascension, he returned to heaven. Jesus gave, before he returned to heaven, Jesus gave this uh, command, and we call it the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28. And I, I've read this a lot, and you guys probably know it by heart, but Jesus came and he told his disciples, again, this is just before he took off, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. What's the responsibility? What's the kingdom purpose of the church? Say that out loud. Make disciples. What's it mean to make a disciple? Let's read the rest of this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Son and Holy Spirit. So again, there's something here. God wants you to be filled with all of Him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them, the new disciples, to obey all the commands that I have given you. Now, where do we find those new commands? In the Bible. In the New Testament, right? So if you want to know what are the commands we're supposed to teach people, where do you go? The New Testament. Say it, New Testament. New Testament. You have the Old Testament. What is that? First 39 books. Then it stopped. There's about a 400-year period or so that where it was dark, didn't hear anything from the Lord. And then the New Testament began. Those first 39 books, do we just get rid of them? No, we talked about that the last few weeks. The Holy Spirit is in all of them. Jesus is on all of those previous books. He's there. God the Father was there. And it just leads us to the New Testament. Beginning with Matthew and then following. And that's where Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, shows up. You and I have been introduced to, introduced to God with us. And he wants that kind of relationship. So the language that Jesus uses here illustrates the importance of the Trinity. After stating that all authority in heaven and on earth was his, he went on to include the Father and the Holy Spirit in his baptismal formula. He could have just said, just baptize them in Jesus' name. But he didn't. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Gregory of Nyssa, he was one of the founding fathers of the church. He said of this, why in the name of the Father? Because He is the first cause of all things. Why in the name of the Son? Because He is the agent of creation. Why in the name of the Holy Spirit? Because it is in His power which brings all things to perfection. Does that help you? Why in the name of the Father? Because He is the first cause of all things. You know, you can snap a picture of this too. Why in the name of the Son? Because He is the agent of creation. Why in the name of the Holy Spirit? Because he, it is in His power which brings all to perfection. We need all of God to be successful on this earth. We therefore bow down to the Father that we may be sanctified. We bow down to the Son for this same end. We bow down to the Holy Spirit that we may become what He is in fact and in name. There is no distinction in the sanctification as if the Father sanctified in a higher degree, the Son less, the Holy Spirit less. Again, each one equally imparts his presence. How many pray to the Father? How many pray to the Son? How many pray to the Holy Spirit? Now, this is a little 
Yeah, we often don't find... And years ago, I heard Benny Hinn say this. And he was talking about his relationship with God, and he said, why don't we pray to the Holy Spirit? Isn't that who Jesus sent to lead us into all truth? Just a thought. Hallelujah. By the way, I'm going to look more at the church fathers and what they believed in part four in a couple weeks. Jesus' inclusion of the Spirit and the Father illustrates how each person of the Trinity is important and necessary for the completion of God's salvation plan. Did you hear that? Each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is important for the completion of God's salvation plan. You can't do away with any of them. Jesus told his followers to pray to the Heavenly Father, and we already talked about that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another great from our our history, church history, is Athanasia. And he said this, he said, to ask for God's sovereign will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is to ask for God's very presence to perform it. Does that strike a bell with anybody here? I want to read it again. That was important. Athanasius said this, he said, to ask for God's sovereign will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is to ask for God's very presence to perform it. God is both the giver and the gift of life. So when you pray to the Father, you're you're asking Him to do that in in the present. And if He's living in you, get this, when you pray, you're praying, and He's just there backing it up. Right? Our prayers make a difference. Arguably, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit's coming after his departure from the earth, it was probably one of the most important events mentioned in the New Testament. And I want to share this from Acts 1, 4, and 5, and it says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So here you've got Father and Son confirming that there was somebody coming. He calls it a gift. Who sent it? Jesus said the Father is sending it. And when I say it, I use that term loosely. I mean the person of the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was about to come on him. Excuse me. The Holy Spirit was about to come upon and in the men and women of God for the first time. Once the disciples had received Christ as their Lord and Savior, they would become home to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit was to guide all men into God's truth, but it was also to empower them to be, and we talked about this, to be witnesses for the kingdom. How many would agree that today we need the Holy Spirit more than we have ever needed Him? Acts 1.8 Our marching orders. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Say me. Me. Say it loud. Me. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is that personal relationship. For what? You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said that there will be times when you'll be persecuted, that you'll be standing in front of governors, in front of high-ranking officials. You won't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words. We can't live without Him. 
We can't live without any of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand that we have been given a mission. We have been commissioned to carry out that mission. And that is to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all of the commands that Jesus gave the church. One question that comes to mind is, how can Jesus live in us, and yet, how can he be in heaven? The same question can be asked of the Father, right? Add to that, now the Holy Spirit lives in us, after receiving Christ, of course, as our Lord. To me, things seem to be getting quite complicated. Anybody else? In his book, The Normal Christian Birth, David Pawson said this, when the Spirit came into them at Pentecost, the Father and the Son also took up residence within them at the same time, while remaining outside them as well. The combination of imminence, and these are my, I put the definition, indwelling, imminence is indwelling, and transcendence, that means God is, He's both in us and outside of us, all right, is characteristic of what does divine mean? God. So God is both in you and around you. When, when Peter's shadow, Peter and John, when they walked past the people that were hurting that needed healing and their shadow touched them was it peter's shadow it was this god was in them so let me ask you this if you're filled with god and you walk down the street and your shadow see where i'm going with that What's the difference? Is God different for Peter? Is the God that was in Peter different from the God that's in us? Same Jesus? What's Scripture say about that? Jesus is the same. Thank you. Are you starting to catch what I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to go with this? As I see it, And I believe Scripture backs this up. One must take the Trinity at faith value as our intellect cannot comprehend all there is to know of the Godhead. Would you agree? One final New Testament verse that speaks loudly of the Trinity. This comes from the Apostle Paul and he was concluding his address to the Corinthian church. Paul said this, he said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Would you read that with me? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Who was Paul? Initially, he was a devout Jew. Right? He loved the Lord. He practiced Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, didn't he? There is but one God. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was a persecutor of Christians. He actually had a hand in stoning Stephen. He held his clothes while the man was stoned. But after Jesus, (laughs) what do we call it today? He became a Messianic Jew because he believed in the Messiah, Jesus. He met him firsthand while he was blind for a few days. That's, That's probably a pretty good sign that you've messed up. How many are glad God didn't blind you for three days so you'd get 
it figured out so he could get your attention. But here's Paul, this Jewish guy who believed in the one God. And he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He believed in the Trinity. Right? There's no better way that I could say that this is reality because no Jew in his right mind would ever think this way if he didn't believe it. Paul knew that the Holy Spirit was real, that Jesus was real, and of course he believed in the Father already. And he believed that they were three persons, but one true God. Today, as I begin to close, you might be wondering, why is God so complicated? Maybe you're not asking that. Maybe by faith, you know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And go down to verse 6, it says, it's impossible to please God without it. You have to have faith. My suggestion to you today as your pastor, as a guy speaking from this lectern today, don't overthink the Trinity. First, as the God of the universe, shouldn't we expect him to be, to be beyond our thinking? If the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit truly is God, capital G, capital O, capital D, three persons in one, shouldn't it be beyond our intellect? After all, He created the universe. Who are we? We, some of us, can't tie our shoes. That's why everybody's going to slip-ons. And it isn't because you can't time so much as some of us can't reach down there anymore i'm just i'm dealing with that myself never mind i don't know why i went there because i'm silly everybody say pastor norm is silly so first we shouldn't be surprised that god is beyond our intellect right second and i as i've shared today that the trinity the the father the son and the holy spirit he has provided a way for us to have relationship with Him, to covenant with Him, to come into His presence. Prior to Jesus, they couldn't do that. You couldn't go to the Father because you were a sinner. We still are, but now we're covered in the blood of Jesus. We're forgiven. And now we can have that relationship. And, and I think God yearns for that with some of you. Some of you in this room today, you don't understand what that means. Maybe, maybe whoever raised you, they were a mess. And you never saw what it was like to have a healthy relationship. But your Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit wants to have a healthy relationship with you. How do you begin it? Find a place to get quiet with Him. In the, in the old days, we called it our prayer closet because a lot of people would, would simply go hide in their little closet where nobody could find them. I remember Pastor Dave, he used to go in the boiler room of the church. So the board couldn't find him. I love praying in my bedroom. Whatever works, have that relationship. Start, start. Everybody say that, start. Start that relationship if you haven't already. Because that's why God sent Jesus. And the best part is he wants us 
to live with him forever, but it has to start with you being born again, just as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be washed in the water and in the blood. This could refer to baptism, water baptism, and of course, the forgiveness of sin through Jesus' blood. But you must, you must come to Jesus. Finally, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be sent. Why? So that we would know the truth, the truth that would set us free. Would you stand? We are all kingdom kids if we love Jesus. We are all children of God, put another way. And Jesus gave his church this responsibility. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all of my commands. That's why we need to read the Bible. It it can't just be a book that sits on our shelf. If you have an iPhone or a, a droid, get the Bible in there for crying out loud. If you don't already have the app in your phone, get it. Go to, what's that? You, you, you. What is it? You version? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's a good one. It's easy to download. And start sharpening your sword. Right? I don't want to get off into that today, but... Hallelujah. It's coming. When are we doing water baptism? When? November 20th. Yes. We'll have a sign-up for you. you bow your heads if you're here today and you say pastor norm i love the lord i love the father son and holy spirit with all my heart mind soul and body and i put my faith and trust in jesus he is my lord he is my god and i plan to serve him all the days that i have left on this earth if that's you just lift your hand you can see it going up hallelujah thank you not everybody's hand went up And I don't want to presume. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're dealing with in your life situation. Because we're all different. We're all unique. But God died for everybody, not just a handful. And he wants you to be a part of his family. And the beauty is, once you say yes to Jesus, oh, I can't even begin to tell you what it's like everything changes that weight of sin is lifted off (laughs) and you know you know that you are one of God's kids and he wouldn't he will do anything for you as one of his kids so I just want to ask if you're here today you say, Pastor Norm, I need Jesus. I need, I want to start that relationship today with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I want to be right with Him. Maybe my life's been a mess up to this point. Maybe, maybe I don't know how to have a, a, a healthy relationship, but I want to do that today. I want to start that today. If that's you, please just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Yep, hands going up all over. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Hallelujah. There were a bunch of people that raised their hand. I want to pray with you, but can we have the worship team come up? Would you guys mind? Oh, I just love that song. And it's one we're going to go out of here with. Father, pray this with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
Forgive me of my sin and wash me clean. Lord, make me a new person according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old man is no longer. I am a new person in Christ. I confess my sin, Lord. Small ones. Medium-sized. Big ones. It doesn't matter to you. Sin is sin. And you came to forgive me. So I lay him down at the cross. And I ask you, Lord, cleanse me in your blood today. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Slip your hands up to him. Begin to worship him. Hallelujah. Cry out to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Before we sing this song, if you prayed that prayer and, and you meant business with God, if you're ready for a relationship with Him, He's ready for you. He's been waiting. He's been waiting for you to make this decision. God bless you for doing that today. And hear me, when you go out, if you haven't already got one, we've got a little booklet called The Start of Something Wonderful. It's just a kind of a glimpse of what your, your new walk with the Lord is like. And it gives you tons of script, not tons, it gives you a bunch of scriptures just to back up what I've said and some of the other things you're going to face as a believer. And it will help you get on a strong path. And then you need, of course, a Bible to go with that. And we have those as well. No, what do we say? Pastor Barb, what do we say about that? If you need a Bible, they can find one of those for you too. Or Tuesday Bible study if, if you happen to be from uh, Bear River. We love you guys. God is moving. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As you go out of here this week, keep this song in your heart. Keep that relationship burning between you, your Heavenly Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer at the end, uh, some of us will be up here. We can pray with you. What you're sensing, feeling here at the church doesn't have to end here. Take it with you. Take it with you. Let other people see the joy of the Lord on your face. In the way you live, the way you walk and talk, go out of here today and let him rule your life. Amen. Have a great week. Hopefully we'll see you again next Sunday. God bless.